Sorry, I was sitting there enjoying looking at all of you and thought, oh, it's my turn. <laughs> this is um, one of the more well-known stories in Jesus' life, and it's a story that can work powerfully in our lives. I pray that the Spirit can get past our familiarity with it to work on us, and I pray that I can stay out of the way and let this story truly touch your heart. Let's be standing, please. We hear this, the gospel. The story of Jesus walking on the water. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into a boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. May God bless the reading of his word. You ever notice when you get together with family or really good friends and start telling stories, how other stories that you hadn't thought about in years just come back to mind. You just, as you tell one story, then another story is mentioned that leads you on to another story. Well, reading this story, a story that I've heard all my life and uh, have taught it and preached it and heard it in Bible classes, it, it makes me think of a story in my life that I don't always think of. But when I read this, it takes me back to the summer after my uh, senior year in high school when I was out selling Bibles in the backwoods of Arkansas, Delight, Arkansas. And uh, walked up to a house, and it was out in the woods, and knocked on the door. The screen door was there, and I could see as I knocked that this older gentleman began making his way to his feet. And I felt a little guilty about bothering him because it was obviously very difficult for him to get around. And, and he started making his way to the door, kind of like this. Yeah. So I was watching him. I could see the top of his head as he got closer and closer. And suddenly he got to the door and he looked up at me and his eyes got really big and he said, watch out! And I jumped. <laughs> and as I did, I felt a little nip on the back of my leg. And I glanced around and there was this big black dog with its snarl, you know, just, and it was coming at me again. And I opened that door and jumped in and slammed the door behind me. And the guy was looking at me and he says, 
He said, I'm sorry about that dog. And then he told me something that has really stayed with me. He said, you know, son, you don't have to worry so much about those barking, those barking, growling dogs. The really mean ones are quiet, and they just sneak up behind you and bite you. And he said, you know, the sad thing is there's a lot of other things in life like that as well. This story has a big, black, quiet, mean dog. I don't know if you know it or not. Uh, you, you know, this story we usually just kind of lift out of its context, but I want to put it back in because this story happened toward the end of what had to be one of the longest days in Jesus' life. If we back up to the beginning of chapter 14, we find out that this was the day that Jesus learned about the fate of John the Baptist. John the Baptist, his cousin, John the Baptist, the man who had gone before him to open the doors to prepare the way for his ministry. John the Baptist, the man of whom Jesus said, among those who are born of women, and if you stop and think about that, that is a rather large category, okay? Among those who are born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Well, it was this very morning that word had reached Jesus that John had died, that he had been executed by Herod over a fit of jealous rage of Herodias. And that hit Jesus so hard. And all he wanted to do was to get off and be by himself for a while. You've been there. You know that feeling. And according to the way that Matthew tells the story, that Jesus got into a boat all by himself and began rowing the boat so that he could get over to a little bit different part of the lake, the Sea of Galilee, around which he was teaching and preaching, got into this boat and started rowing away looking for some place where there just wasn't anybody, where he could sit down and be by himself and be with his Father in heaven. But as he was rowing the boat, the crowds could see where he was going. And, and I've never tried to row a boat and get away from someone, but evidently it's pretty hard to do. As he was rowing the boat, these crowds were walking around the seashore and keeping up with him. And so finally it looks like he just thought, yeah, I might as well just give up. So he comes to shore, and there the crowds gather around him. And we're talking big crowd. Because we're going to find out that there's 5,000 men in this crowd, as well as women and children, in addition to that. And Jesus realizes as they get there that they brought with them a bunch of their sick folks, trying to get them to Jesus, trying to have them healed. And so even in his grief and even in his pain, Jesus gives of himself all day long. And he preaches and he teaches and he heals. And toward the end of the day, the disciples wake up and they realize they've got a problem. They've got thousands of people out here and they're in the wilderness area and they don't have anything to eat. 
So they go to Jesus and they say, you know what you need to do? And disciples are always good about telling Jesus what to do. We, we kind of fill that role ourselves today. I've, I've got a long list for things for Jesus to do. And they go to him and say, you know what you need to do? Is you need to send these folks out of these villages. There's villages over here and there. Just tell them to go away and go to the village and try to find something to eat. And Jesus said, I've got a better idea. Why don't you feed them? And they say, well, we don't have any food. All we've got is five loaves, two fish. And you can almost hear the sigh in Jesus' voice as he says, bring me the food. It's been a long day already. All this work, all this emotion. And yet Jesus, still giving of himself, begins to break the loaves apart. And the disciples begin to serve these thousands of people. And they begin to eat, and they eat until they're full. And then the disciples go around and they clean up the place, and they take up all the scraps and put them into baskets. I've helped feed a few hundred people at a time. I don't know, some of you may have helped feed several thousand, I don't know, but you can imagine. A lot of work, long day. So finally it's getting dark. It's time to send the crowds away. But before Jesus even deals with the crowds, he deals with his friends, his disciples. And if you notice at the beginning of the story that we read, it doesn't say Jesus said, why don't you guys get in the boat and go on? He makes them. He forces them. It's almost as if they're saying, hey, you know, why don't we just stay here for the night? We want to stay with, no, you get in the boat and go. So he forces them to get in the boat, and they take off, and then he dismisses the crowd, and finally, finally, he goes up on the mountainside, just him and God, and he prays. And again, we don't have all the story and all the details, but I have to believe that those times where we see Jesus alone with God have to be some of the favorite times of his life here on earth. That had to be the closest to what it was like whenever he and God dwell together before all of this got started. So as he's praying, the disciples are rowing the boat. Now, if we go over and read a little bit of this story out of Mark, we get a little more insight to what's going on here. They're not happy campers. They're tired, too. They've been working hard all day. They're a little confused as to why Jesus made them leave. And they're not real happy because as they're rowing the boat, they're having to row it into the wind. Now, right here, we can sort of blend two stories together. We need to be careful not to do that. Because there is another story where these disciples are out on the sea. Jesus is with them. He's asleep in the back of the boat, remember? And these disciples, many of them were fishermen. Most of them made their living on this very body of water. And this terrible storm had come up, and they were scared because they thought it was over. I mean, they'd been in storms before, but never one like that. Remember that story? Well, this isn't like that. It's not so much a storm. They're not worried about being capsized or anything. They're just having to row into the wind. And it sounds like they're not real happy about this. And you can almost hear them talking. Well, I don't know why he made us leave. Where is he anyway? Why isn't he here? Someone may have even said, 
I wish he would come here. I wish Jesus were here now. Well, as my mama said, be careful what you ask for. Because here he came. Jesus knows the problem. He's up there on the mountainside. Maybe it's just natural that he can see the boat and see their problem, but he's Jesus. He knows. And so in the fourth watch of the night, 3 a.m. in the morning, he heads out to them, walking across the water. Okay, put yourself in the boat with the disciples. (laughs) Here you go. You're tired. You're rowing. You're upset. And all of a sudden, someone looks up and says, there's something out there. Someone says, well, probably another boat, you know. (laughs) I don't think so. It looks like, it looks like a person. And they start looking and say, it's a ghost. They're going, it's a ghost. (laughs) Here they go. And Jesus is maybe running across the water then. I don't know. But Jesus calls out to them. He whose spirit passes over the waters, he who alone stretched out the heavens and tramples the waves of the sea, he says, don't be afraid. I am. Ego a me. I am is the name of God. Now, I know in our Bible we translate it, it's me, it's I, it is I. But he says, I am. This is a theophany. This is the revealing of who Jesus really is. And his disciples get it. And as he draws closer to them, they are able to see it really is him. As they hear his voice, they know this is not just the voice of a man. This is the voice of God. And Peter, bless his heart. Good old Peter. You know, I know we know what's about to happen with Peter, and we're already a little negative about it, aren't we? But you know, it's like many people have pointed out. He's the only one that got out of the boat, so let's not get on to Peter, okay? Peter calls out to Jesus. Since it's you, Lord, tell me to come out there to you. Order me to come out there is what he says. Tell me that I need to come out there to you. Now, we don't know all of Peter's motivations. I like Peter. I think at this point he's got the best of motivations. He's not trying to show off. He's not trying to distinguish himself among the other disciples as maybe someone who is better than they are. He just wants to get out there and walk with his Lord. He wants to be with Jesus. That's what's motivating him. And so he says, order me to come out. Command me to come out. Tell me to come out. And Jesus says, come. And he jumps out of the boat and starts walking across the water. But watch out. Because here comes the big dog. One of my favorite preachers is a man named John. John Chrysostom. He preached a sermon on this about 1,600 years ago. I'm so glad we still have that sermon. I doubt that any of my sermons are going to stay around for 1,600 years. But when he preached a sermon on this, he pointed something out. 
He said, you know, as Peter was walking across the water, it wasn't the fact that he was standing on liquid that got him. And even contrary to the song that we sing, it wasn't the crashing waves around him that got him. And it really even wasn't the idea that he was going out to meet the creator of the waters and the earth and the heavens. It wasn't any of those big things. Do you know what got him? It was the wind. The wind. The mighty sailor Peter was distracted and scared by the wind. It's amazing how little things can jump up and bite us. The great King David, who as a young teenage boy faced down a huge giant with a sling, who as a a young warrior led hundreds of men out and killed thousands of Philistines, the mighty David caught a glimpse of a naked woman on a rooftop, and he fell. Elijah, Elijah, this great prophet who stood before 450 prophets of Baal and called them out and called them down and prayed to God and saw fire descend from heaven upon his offering. The mighty Elijah gets a little note in the mail one day that says, I'm going to get you. And he was so scared, he ran off and hid in a cave. Sometimes it's the little ones, the quiet ones, that sneak up on us and get us. This story calls me to ask the question, okay, Tommy, you want to walk with Jesus. You want to be with him in his might and his power and his glory. But it could be that there's a little quiet, something small creeping up behind you, nipping at your leg, and keeping you from really doing that walk. What is it? Just the busyness of life that creeps in and all the other things that go on and you just get busy and forget about what it would be like to actually walk through this life with Jesus? Could it be a little lust that you feed and it grows and it grows? Could it be maybe some resentment toward another person? Could it be some feelings towards someone else that has grown into anything that can be described, it has to be described maybe as hatred or bitterness and those feelings about that person or about that situation. Maybe it's a disappointment in your life that you're living with and wondering why that this has happened or this hasn't happened, but something can be there and behind us and grab us and suddenly we're sinking just like Peter. Now, at this point, the story becomes very carefully crafted. Well, it is all the way through, but every word that Matthew uses to tell this story is important. Because when Peter started sinking, because he's afraid because the wind is blowing, as he's sinking beneath the surface of the sea, Peter's smart enough to know what to do. 
and he calls out, Lord, save me. Trusting that Jesus cares enough about him, trusting that Jesus has the ability to do that, suddenly aware that something has got him and that he's in trouble and that only through the power of his Lord Jesus Christ can he walk again. Only through the power of Jesus can he be safe again. And immediately the hand of Jesus goes out and grabs him and pulls him up. Now, Jesus says something to him at that point, and I don't know if he's chastising him or just making a comment or what, because he calls him a man of little faith, and he says, why did you start doubting? But I find out about three chapters from now that Jesus says, you know how much faith it takes to be effective in your life? Do you know how much faith it takes to be saved? Do you know how much faith it takes to be a follower of Jesus? Faith the size of a mustard seed. It's also interesting that when they finally get back in the boat, that this is the point at which the disciples fall down and worship Jesus as the Son of God. They've seen some amazing things, but when they saw their friends saved... They knew that was God at work. I don't know where you are in your journey today, but if there's a dog following you, nipping at your heels, keeping you from enjoying and celebrating your walk with Jesus, I do know what to do about that. Lord, save me. And he will. And you will find yourself amazed at his power and worshiping him as the Son of God. Let's stand and sing.